Welcome to On the Bench. My name is Chris Nee. I'm joined by Zach this morning. Brendan's somewhere having breakfast instead of joining our lovely faces on this lovely Wednesday morning. So we're going to dive right into it. And we'll probably actually be quicker, thankfully, without Brendan here. Um, yeah, we're just going to talk transfer portals. I don't think really think there's anything else super pertinent. Um, FSU has assembled a top five transfer portal class to date. Obviously, those things are still in flux and changing as schools are bringing in more transfers and more transfers are making decisions. But yeah, FSU sits in the top five right now. They have nine commitments in their transfer portal class. We're going to talk a bit about the guys they've added, some of the stuff that didn't happen for them, and also things that we think still could happen for them or need to happen for them with regards to the transfer portal class. So, Zach, how are you doing? Doing well, man. I, I feel like I, we haven't potted in a while, right? Yeah, it was like my New Year's resolution not to do it. I almost made it a whole month. I mean, I did pretty good here. So, yeah, not everybody can keep their resolutions that long. I know that much. Um, so obviously we know FSU added DJU. That was kind of the first big movement for FSU in the transfer portal, but things have really picked up steam here. They had the five day visit window that went from last Wednesday to the end of Sunday. Since that's ended, we've seen a few more trickle in some trickled in during that window. There's a few more outstanding right now. And then things reopen as far as visits are allowed for both high school prospects, which we're not really super concerned with from a 2024 standpoint, because FSU seems to have most of their hay in the barn with that group, barring somebody coming about unexpectedly. But also for portal kids and obviously junior days will start picking up here as we have a couple weekends in January and the first weekend in February before things shut down again for a dead period. So with regards to FSU, they had a whole bunch of guys come through here in that uh, brief window we had just now, the five-day window in early January. Uh, as I always love to do, I think I'm just going to go position by position here. So we'll start with running back slash athlete, Jalen Lucas. He jumps into the boat. He actually, you know, on Sunday, he's around the team doing the team meeting on Sunday after visiting. He is the brother of Ja'Kai Douglas, current Seminole. He's somebody that we've been familiar with for a few years because, well, we liked his game coming out of high school. I think he originally, if I recall correctly, committed to Tulane before going to Indiana. And uh, he was effective at Indiana, especially as a return man. So for me, I like what he can do in the return game. I think he brings a great deal of value for FSU in the return game, an area where they need to add somebody, especially on punt returns, losing Keon Coleman. I think also his ability on the offensive side of the ball will be something that Mike Norvell and company can use effectively. You know, he reminds me to some degree of Ja'Kai on the offensive side of the ball, where is he a receiver? Is he a running back? Is he a guy that you just kind of gadget up and do things with? Yeah. Now, Ja'Kai's a little bit more sure-handed based on metrics, PFF-wise, than Jalen has been in his career, but we'll see if maybe that's something that FSU can work on helping him further along and improve upon. So what were your thoughts on Jalen Lucas jumping into class, Zach? And I know he's a guy that you've known for several years and you talked to during this transfer process a good bit. Yeah, man. I mean, Florida State recruited him at like a moderate level out of high school, like you were mentioning. Um, he went to Edna Carr, actually out of the prep ranks and yeah i mean i agree with you chris i think he provides the most value in the return game we've seen florida state kind of um i don't want to say scramble for options at that position but it's been close to that right like if you don't have a keon coleman there at punt returner it gets pretty dicey um with the with the backup options and um i think we saw that in that one game that he missed um you know florida state really struggled there and you know, with kick returns, that wasn't as much of an issue because I think that's, you know, an easier spot um, to kind of just, uh, you know, rotate guys through. But, I mean, he, this is we're talking about an elite returner. Like, he was a first-team All-American at pretty much every website in the 2022 
season. And then the, he, he, he had like 500 something return yards along with two touchdowns, kick return touchdowns. And then he had another one, another kick return touchdown this past season in 2023. He's a guy that's explosive, has elite speed. He's going to be, you know, a weapon back there. And, and I, I do think that is, you know, that's enough value for Florida State to, to um, you know, to add him to the roster. And, and maybe you can, uh, I mean, Mike Norvell's been known to to really maximize talent, especially in the offensive side of the football. And I think, you know, if there is value um, at, with him as a gadget player, Norvell will find it. All right. So a little buyer Sinone, even though that man's not here today, brought to you by the Turner Group. Byers known FSU's done at the running back position in the portal. Also no. Um, I think right. we both expect Alabama running back transfer Roy Dell Williams to visit this weekend. Um, that's the expectation, at least as of earlier this week. We'll, we'll obviously check back in and update that. But, yeah, I mean, Florida State had some attrition in that room. Obviously, Trey Benson off to the NFL, and then they lose Rodney Hill to the transfer portal. And Lawrence Toffili's, uh, you know, coming off an injury that he sustained in the ACC championship game. So um, a lot of new faces that are going to be in that room next year. Obviously, you add two via the high school ranks of Cam Davis and Makai Danzi. But Florida State wants to add like a, you know, a veteran presence. Roydell Williams is a physical runner. Um, and then, you know, obviously Jalen Lucas, I think, you know, running back, receiver kind of combo, you know, right there as a gadget player on offense not a true running back. So I think, you know, Florida state will likely try to add a guy like Williams to kind of fill out that room. Yeah. Roydell Williams is a five foot 10, 214 pound running back this past season at Bama. He had about 561 yards on 110 carries. So he's a guy that brings value. Bama obviously recruits running back at a very high level. I think they just had an ultra crowded room and he's kind of looking to be a more of a feature guy, or at least a guy that's featured in a different way than Bama probably will. Uh, he's a little bit bigger back to bring in uh, Justice Haynes, I believe it is, who's probably a guy that's going to factor into their room quite a bit. So um, wide receiver, guy I'm probably most excited about, to be perfectly honest. Maybe not the biggest need, but I'm excited because of what I know he's capable of being is Malik Benson. His visit wrapped in the wee hours of Sunday evening, let me tell you. Being at the Moore Center in the dark at 10, 14 p.m. is really fun. Dude. But uh, Malik, <laughs> but the was interview was record? good. It paid off. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. It can't but, be because we were there for Midnight Madness. Yeah, from beginning to end of a day, like pretty much sitting there nonstop, it was probably the longest day I've ever had there. I think I was there about 13, 14 hours that day. Wow. Um, but Malik was worth it. He made it pay off. Very good interview. It's pretty apparent in the interview that he was coming to FSU and not opting for Gainesville. Um, he didn't make that public till a little bit later. But, yeah, he, when you talk to a young man, sometimes you can just tell that he's had his mind made up and he walked out of the building having told that staff that he was going there. Malik Benson didn't do a whole lot at Alabama last year. I think 13 catches on 21 targets. I think he had one drop according to PFF. So very pedestrian. But, man, his Juco stuff is good, and he is fast, and he goes. He was the best Juco in the country when Alabama signed him. The hope, and this is going to be a theme that we probably lean into a few times on talking about some of these guys. I think the hope is that he returns to an older form, and that's what FSU is banking on would have believed yeah. that they can get him there. And it's clearly evident with the addition of Jalen Lucas, some of the other guys we're going to talk about on the offensive side, that FSU want to add speed. And Malik Benson brings that to the table. About six foot one, I think 10, four, four and 100. 
uh, Kevin Flaherty, who works on our network, who lives in Kansas. Sorry, Kevin, that you live there, but he's seen Malik as a high school kid. He knows what Malik is athletically. And like, he just reached out out of the blue when uh, he committed to FSU. And he's like, he's the fastest kid I've ever seen in Kansas. So yeah, I'm excited about what Malik Benson potentially can be. I think he's a guy that it's going to be fun to watch Mike Norvell try to kind of take him and, you know, elevate his game at that position. Yeah. And he has one year left. So like, it's not like a long-term development thing. It's, it's one year. And I think it's interesting, like, you know, obviously, if you watch Alabama's offense this season, they were not super elite throwing the football. Um, and, you know, maybe that's some of the reason why his stats, you know, weren't super impressive. But if, you know, I mean, FSU can get the, you know, the receiver position, uh, you know, looks. And, and you know, with DJU, I think a strength of his game is pushing the ball downfield, those deep shots. And I think Florida State, like, it's kind of a trend here. Like they're adding a lot of speed all across the field, but especially at the receiver position. I think that was a point of emphasis for Florida state in this transfer cycle. They have a lot of guys on the roster that they like at receiver, but not a ton of them are, you know, blazers. They're not guys that are going to wow you with, you know, impressive speed. Like I, I think Malik Benson and the guy we'll talk about in a little bit, like Jalen Brown, both those guys you know, that the name of their game is speed. And I, I'm really interested to see kind of how that fits into the 2024 version of Florida State's offense with, you know, DJU likely at the helm. So you brought up Jalen Brown, LSU transfer, spent one season in uh, Baton Rouge with the Tigers, now coming to Florida State. A fine example of sometimes finishing second in recruiting these days is pretty good. And again, yeah. another theme we're going to talk about because there's another one on the defensive side of all of that's certainly true. In Jalen Brown's case, to our knowledge, didn't really even visit FSU in the portal cycle. He just decided to enroll. When he hit the portal from LSU, it was FSU. That's where he was going. He was up there with Dad on, I think it was Saturday, and then again on Sunday. He was with the team for the team meeting on Sunday. He just kind of immediately grouped into the building. And like you said, name of the game is speed. He is a kid that FSU valued a great deal out of high school. And now they have him with four years of eligibility remaining. So a very good ad. Um, yeah. I think we all know how much we talked about Jalen Brown as a high school recruit. We're one year removed from that. So we're still basically in that same boat with a little bit of college training and program for him and a little bit of experience in the college game. But in general, he's still the kid FSU recruited from high school and they loved him in high school. So it's not revisionist yeah. history to say this is a big hit for FSU. He's a kid they desperately wanted to add a season ago. They knew they weren't going to, but they stuck with it because of this very scenario. So yeah. um, I don't know if you really want to add much more on Jalen. You kind of talked about him when we were talking about Malik. Yeah, I mean, another guy with the lead speed, like 10-6 speed, and and a, and a player that, like you said, Florida State heavily coveted out of high school. That's been a trend this transfer cycle. You know, these guys that Florida State kind of missed on um, via the high school ranks, and then they, you know, a, few, a year or two later, they're landing him out of the portal. And that's kind of – you know, we've always talked about, hey, maybe finishing second isn't the worst thing in the world in the you know modern era of college football because of the portal. Um, and I think this cycle more than any before for Florida State, that's coming true. So, yeah, I'm a fan of the take. He's got um, you know a ton more eligibility to go, and, and a guy that you know just competed in probably the best top to bottom receiver room in the country at LSU. You know, a guy that I think has a super high upside. Um, there are parts of his game that he needs to improve on from what I've heard. Um, 
but he's got time to do it. And you know, I think you know, Florida State's going to invest in him completely to try and get that done. There are some schools that uh, traditionally, if they like a kid out of position, you're like, oh, he's pretty good. LSU with yeah. receivers has that connotation. It's kind of like Bama with running backs. Yeah. Uh, interesting theme overall with the guys that FSU has added for the most part. They come from pretty high-level programs, pretty good places, and I think that's a good sign of a program that kind of understands you need to take guys that were prepared to play dudes. Um, you know, I, I, you can sometimes go in those lower ranks. FSU obviously had immense success with somebody like Jared Verse who came from Albany. But in general, I think there's a belief within the building that you want to take guys that were viewed as SEC-level players who are prepared to play SEC-level players. I think that's where FSU sort of is as a program. A quick buyer, Sinone, brought to you by the Turner Group. Does FSU recruit any more pass catchers in the transfer portal in this immediate January window? Sinone, definitely Sinone for the January window. I would think Sinone for the other window, for the spring window in, in like April and May. But I, you know, I'm not, you know, certain on that. I think, you know, obviously there's always random attrition that can happen. So, you know, Florida State randomly has, you know, a couple guys that leave that room. Maybe they go explore a, an option um, to add. And then, you know, obviously there's a guy like Keon Coleman, um, like we saw last cycle, who pops into the portal in that April window. You're not going to not take a guy like that just because you might be, you know, high on numbers at that position. Um, you'll make it work. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely sit known for the January window. I do think they're gone that receiver. Um, in this portion, but you know, as the spring kind of progresses, you see how that room kind of shakes out. I could see, you know, another addition maybe occurring um, after the spring. Yeah, I use pass catchers to kind of throw tight ends in there. They're not taking a tight end right now. Yeah, I, I think with both of those rooms, wide receiver and tight end, that they want to go through the spring with what they have and see one how new pieces like a Malik Benson and Jalen Brown and Jalen Lucas fit into the offensive theory but also i think they want to see how some of the guys currently on the roster elevate what they do are they ready like kentron for example had a very good preseason last year got hurt didn't do much in the season does kentron look like a guy ready to take that next step and does he stay healthy throughout the spring darion williamson someone that this podcast generally has been high on had a very mixed showing in the orange bowl is he a guy ready to take the next step just signed with battles end so you expect him obviously to be back at tight end, I think that's certainly the case. I think Jackson West is a guy that's kind of now or never. Brian Courtney is a guy who I think they want to see if they can get something from. I think they want to see what some of those pieces are. They'll reevaluate after spring and see what the market is and potentially go get something if they believe they need more. But I don't think they're in a rush to just go spend or use a roster spot on those spots with what they've already added, what they currently have. I think there is some spring evaluation that they want to go through with their actual roster as it currently stands. Um, O-line's up next. Yeah, you know, Pearson Toomey comes in. Based on what we know, it sounds like he's given up football, so we're not going to invest much time there. Visited what? here, visited South Carolina. From what I understand, that's what both schools expect. Uh, that's what I heard on this end. Talked to somebody tied to South Carolina. That's what they heard on their end. What were you going to say, Zach? That's a weird situation, right? Like he he comes in for those both those visits, and then afterwards decides to to step away from football. Or I mean, like he his? has a great degree from Furman. Um, you know, he's a kid that's gone through the whole college experience. I, I think there may have been some concerns with maybe a shoulder or something of that sort, too. That may, may have caused some hesitation, maybe on both ends. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a little weird, but hey, everything we do is weird. Let's just lean into it at this point. 
Uh, big man TJ Ferguson feels like an old friend coming back around after a while. Kid that I covered when he came out of Macon area, and now he's at Bama and FSU's recruiting him. He went to OU. You wouldn't know if you read our OU site because they don't feel like saying anything about it. But he did go there, and I think Alabama's still in that mix. It wouldn't shock me if he ends up at any of the three. Truthfully, I think Bama could potentially try to bring him back in. Um, you know, that's something you deal with in the portal. Sometimes it's, you know, not they go in the portal and it's done forever. Sometimes there is a potential of return. And with a school like Bama, who was in the playoffs, it, it created a very tight window for these kids to make decisions. So I'm not dismissive of the possibility he ends up back at Bama. I'll be completely clairvoyant. TJ Ferguson hasn't said a word, I think, to anybody that works at this website, despite efforts by us to talk to him. He uh, yeah. He's kept it to himself. He's been very quiet about it. To my knowledge, I don't know if he's really said anything about the process to anybody. Yeah, FSU feels some optimism there, but I don't want to get people's hopes up that I think he's coming. I don't think that at this moment. I'm just not sure where the heck he's going to go. Um, I think if he goes to another some, school, I think if he goes to another school besides Bama, it'll be Florida State. I agree with you there. I do agree with you there. I, I think OU um, just I, I feel like so he originally was supposed to go to UNC when he was leaving FSU. That visit got canceled. I don't know if technically Ferguson or UNC canceled it, but it got canceled. He then went to OU when he left Tallahassee, or at least that was the plan. You know, I believe he flew from here to Dallas, which would lend itself for him continuing on to Norman. And really, there's been nothing out of that visit, to my knowledge, that anybody has said. Um, but yeah, he's kept it to himself. He's somebody that FSU loved out of high school. Again, a second recruitment with a kid they were ultra familiar with. They want an interior lineman. That is a goal of this portion of the cycle for them. People will ask about tackle. I think that's kind of like what we just talked about with the receivers and tight ends. I think they want to go through the spring and see if there's a guy ready to elevate himself. Is Julian Armella ready to take that next step? You know, that's kind of one of those questions. He's not the only one. I'm just using him as a guy who's a little bit. Yeah, Lucas Simmons, who kind of had a wasted year because of some stuff that didn't allow him to practice a ton. Jalen Early is another one who they've invested a lot of time in. I think they want to see what that room looks like based on what they have currently before they go and rush to try to get a tackle, especially because I don't think they just want to take any tackle or take a tackle. Plus, they're returning Robert Scott, Jeremiah Byers, and Darius Washington, who all have tackle experience for them, and they've invested money in through Bad Present. But they want a guard. They want an experienced guard. I don't know if he's the backup plan, to use quotations, but uh, Richie Leonard is a young man that we expect to come in this weekend, Florida transfer, good bit of starting experience over the last two years, left guard for the Gators, uh, had a pretty good year last year. Did not perform very well against FSU. Actually struggled pretty much in the last two games of the season. Makes you wonder if he might have been a little banged up or maybe he just got worn down. But in general, pretty good grades if you're looking at PFF. Not the end-all be-all, but not a bad barometer either. He's a young man that we expect in this weekend. It's going to be interesting uh, where we're at with TJ Ferguson when Friday rolls around. Like, does he reach a point of a decision? Do they have more clarity on that? I don't think they truly have clarity in the building on what he intends to do. And if they do or they don't, how does that impact what they do with Richie Leonard? I think they're green light with Richie Leonard right now where they would take him. I think he's very interested in him. To our knowledge, only visit he has planned or plans to take. Correct, Zach? Yeah, from our, to our knowledge. Um, and obviously, we're getting that from a Florida State sense of things. So, you know, maybe he has other trips. But, yeah, I think Florida State's the main factor for Richie Leonard out of the portal. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that, you know, maybe Florida State thinks – more highly, I guess, of Terrence Ferguson, um, you know, just from a pure, like, you know, their evaluation standpoint. But I think they like both prospects and would take both, um, it, you know, if, if that option presents itself. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see because, you know, Florida State obviously started classes on Monday. Um, and there's a lot of leeway with, you know, trying to get guys into school, um, especially, you know, guys that are transferring. So, um, you know, we've seen, you know, they have two visits set for this upcoming weekend. I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of does Terrence Ferguson's decision get kind of expedited um, because of that, you know, rush to kind of get guys enrolled. Um, I think that's likely. I think Florida State probably wants to see a decision from him made over the next few days. Um, and then, you know, we'll see kind of what Richie Leonard plans to do after he takes his visit to FSU this weekend. Diego Pounds, UNC transfer, somebody else we were keeping eyes on. He committed to Old Miss. Uh, Gerald Mincy Jr., another one from he's Tennessee, is someone we're keeping eyes on. Miss. Yeah, he's yeah. trending Old Miss. Uh, Old Miss is super invested. Congrats, you Rebels. They are uh, they are the kingpins of the portal right now. They they remind me of, of they remind me of Florida State last year. Yeah, yeah, because they're invested yeah. at every position. They're going all in for for twenty twenty four. It sets up for them to have success. They're returning enough talent. And they're adding really big pieces at the spots where they want to upgrade. So yeah. It feels a lot like that. I wholeheartedly agree. All right, so before we get to defense, we're going to bring up Chattanooga Whiskey because you might need some Chattanooga Whiskey when talking about FSU's defense portal recruiting, especially if you're Zach when you're talking about linebackers. And, hell, I think I'm there too. But we'll Let's get there. Oh, we've turned All right. Chris. So I, I'm a patient man, but only patient for so long. All right, defensive line, uh, start with Tommy Waduroje, a young man from West Virginia. He jumped in yesterday to Florida State's class. He's – intriguing and exciting but uh i don't want to overstate it like his good highlights are really fun his athleticism for a guy that size really stands out his game film leaves you kind of you know thinking like there's a ceiling and it's insanely high but there's also floor and he's too often maybe towards the bottom instead of the top it'll be interesting if they can tap in and get him to be a more consistent high level player but it is there he's fully capable of it and i think it's an excellent take at a position where they need to add a guy who had some flexibility from a position standpoint. I think he can play some edge. I think he could use him as an interior. I really like a lot that he brings there. It's just intriguing to me. Of, and he's got multiple years. He's a kid that started at Kentucky, ended up at West Virginia. He's only going to be a redshirt sophomore next year for FSU. So he still has time. But it's going to be really, really interesting how much FSU was able to kind of drive that out of him and turn him into a consistent thing. And if, it, if they hit on it, I think it could be an unbelievably good take for them. And even if they don't, it's a guy they need to add because they did need to add at that position. Um, I don't know how much you like Durge, Zach, but I'll hand you the baton here on him. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to him last night um, for just a quick interview. It's up on the Knowles 24-7 uh, website right now. He mainly chose FSU over Auburn. Um, Miami is also trying to get him on campus this weekend. That obviously is not going to happen as he, he plans to enroll at FSU in the very near future. I'll share one quote that I got from him, um, which I thought was his best quote um, from when I spoke to him. Do you have? I said, do you have a final message to Null Nation about what they're getting in, in you? And he said, I see some people saying a depth piece. This ain't that. I'm coming to be an amazing teammate and bring an impact on s Saturdays. A player with a motor and wants greatness. Someone who wants to always have Tallahassee as home. I'm excited to be a null. So, I mean, it, I think he kind of understands his role. Florida State's bringing him in as an edge who can play some interior snaps. Um, I think Brennan had a good comparison uh, to him as, you know, kind of like a Dennis Briggs type. Um, 
but I think Healthy he'll be and more, shaped in Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he'll be more of a, a factor at defensive end than, you know, one of FSU's interior positions, um, especially with, you know, I think Florida State, one of the strengths of their defense next year is going to be their D tackle room, um, you know, with Josh Farmer and Daryl Jackson, all those guys. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really, it was a must get for Florida State to land to me what uh, Duro Jai. I looked that up, Chris. I think it actually is, is it Jai, not Jay. Okay. Yeah, I looked at his Kentucky because uh, he was at Kentucky before going to West yep. Virginia, and it says pronounced Turo Jai. Um, so his father is Nigerian. He's from Philly. He played high school ball in Delaware, went to Kentucky, then West Virginia, now FSU. A lot of movement. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. I think Florida State is too. I think he's a guy. Like I said, edge recruiting was not going super well um, to start the portal period, um, and I think you know hopefully. They finish strong, and and I think you know he's a he's a large reason as to you know why they could do that. Um, I think they still need to hit on one to two more guys at that position um, in the portal, and we'll talk about that in a second. But he's a huge piece, um, and and beating out you know an NIL power in Auburn for him is a, is a big deal along with Miami. Zach playing the role of Chris of trying to get ahead of himself, so we'll get there for him. Marvin Jones Jr. obviously also added on the edge. We previously spoke on Marvin, legacy recruit for FSU. Again, another second-time recruitment where FSU was in the heavy with him before he went to Georgia. He's a speed rush end for FSU, good-sized body. He's a kid that's had some starting experience starting in his last game at Georgia. Now it's just a matter of does the production jump as he becomes a more focal piece for defense, and he will be a focal piece for the defense. FSU knows they have Pat Payton at defensive end. The key for them now is stockpiling talent around him to allow them to be better. And some of that is also adding guys who are probably better against the run, where FSU can go with run fronts and stuff like that. I think there's some versatility they want in that room that maybe they didn't have in the past. Byron Turner's the depth piece who will help FSU, but there needs to be a healthy amount of guys between where Pat Payton is and where Byron Turner is. And that's what their efforts here are. You know, Marvin Jones is a guy on that level, they hope, with Pat Payton. Tillman Watt is a guy who I, I think has a real shot of being in that mix and being a factor on that front. You know, I, I don't know where he'll ultimately fit in as far as primary snaps, but he'll have a factor on that front. You know, they're not done, as Zach said. So go ahead, Zach, take the baton. There, there's two guys we're probably focused on really at this spot. They have a real chance this week to wrap it up. Both guys have stepped on campus during this past week, one of whom I view very much as a run-stopping helper in uh, Sione Lilo, I'm sorry, Lilohia, and uh, the other one in Zion Young, who's a bit more of untapped potential, speed rush, and type of guy who would have multiple years. He's from Michigan State. Uh, Sione is from Oregon State, ties to DJU, tied to D-Ray. Go ahead, Zach, talk about those two young men. Yeah, so – Sione entered the portal late last week, and Florida State was the first program to get him on campus, mainly because, like you said, of that connection to their general manager, Derek Ray, who formerly worked at Oregon State when Sione was there and recruited there. He's a junior, six foot three. I mean, he's kind of like a run run stopper, like you said, but um, he has some pass rush potential and a guy that um, I've heard Mike Norvell likes a lot. Uh, I think. He's someone that Florida State very much wants to add. And the battle, the recruiting battle is between FSU and USC primarily. Uh, I think a lot of schools are trying to get him to wait and kind of take visits this weekend. Um, but I think he could make a decision before that. 
FSU feels pretty good about where they stand. Um, but USC, obviously, he is a guy that, uh, you know, is from the West Coast and, and a guy that, um, you know, they could sell on, on bringing in and trying to revamp that defense. So I think they're a strong factor as well. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Florida State definitely wants to add him. We'll kind of see where his recruitment goes in the next few days. And then Zion Young, Michigan State defensive lineman. He was a guy that Florida State kind of flirted with out of high school a little bit. Um, I believe he was at FSU's mega camp a couple of years ago. And that's kind of where I first got introduced to him. Big frame, six foot six, 270 pounds. Um, and I, you know, I'm high on him. I think Florida State likes what he could provide. Um, he's a huge body and a guy that that has, you know, a considerable amount of upside. It's just all about, you know, tapping into that and kind of seeing how far he can grow um, in the program. And for him, it's it's FSU, Georgia, and Missouri are the three schools that were kind of late in the mix. Um, FSU was kind of always in communication with him or just um, keeping him warm. But I think as their like edge board started to materialize um, later in the uh, January or the winter portal window, Zion Young became more of a priority, especially this past week. They host him for that Friday visit um, in between visits to Georgia and Missouri. He's still kind of deliberating from what I understand, um, you know, closing in on his, a decision is the best way to describe it. I think that could happen in the very near future. And, you know, I think Florida State has a pretty good shot um, in his recruitment right now. We getting any show crystal balls here, sir? I'm going to hold off on that until I get some final word because a lot of this stuff, as you know, is very fluid. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting. But, but yeah, um, I would I would guess that Florida State – I would put money that Florida State would definitely land one of those two guys. I mean, they kind of have to. That's kind of their plan right now. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think, you know, maybe Zion Young is, is – uh, more likely as of right now, just because I, I think that's a relationship that Florida State's had for longer. Um, you know, I know there's some connections to Sione, but um, I do think that USC is is a pretty big factor for him as well. So Lolo Hea, who is Tongan, he was actually born in Tonga. He is 266, just to add a little bit of dimensions to why I view him as a run stopper, big body guy who I think can hold the edge effectively. I don't know why, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to compare him to Demarcus Walker, NFL Demarcus Walker. But there's a little bit of that vibe to me of, of him as a defensive end for FSU. And on Zion Young, um, he literally got to FSU, I think it was about 4 o'clock on Friday, and he was there till like 10 or 11 in the evening. It's kind of nuts that, uh, you know, it was like a five, six-hour visit. But that's what portal recruiting kind of is. Like, portal recruiting is no emotion. It's all business. It's how do I fit, you know, NIL, if that's a factor in and out, meet the guys who would be your guys, you know, your head coach, your coordinator, your position coach, and that's it. Like, they go, and if they're for, there for a while, they'll go eat and those, do those things that we're used to with normal official visits. But in reality, it's just not like that. It's very much, it's it's business. It's, you know, Malik Benson, for example, got in Sunday morning very, very early from Gainesville, left very late Sunday afternoon, evening, but it was a one-day deal, and he ends up in the class. Whew. All right, linebacker recruiting. Zach, do you just want to bend? Like, do I do I need to do some grand intro? I, mean, I think, just want to I think you need it? to. I think you need to eat crow because I. Oh no, about, I'm here for it. I, yeah, yeah. I always said I wanted to be patient. That the my belief was I need to get to the portal easy, and invest dude. in that position. Yeah, but here's and the issue. 
and the, he, the no, border no, no, class no. sucks. The issue the is too. the issue is this is what I said. However many months ago we talked about this, that you could play with fire, you were going to get burned. Yes, because burned. you cannot guarantee that there will be a viable option via the portal, especially at linebacker. Because well, you can guarantee it, but it's not really legal. But anyways, I digress. You can't. You can't because you can't even guarantee that that you can tamper for anyone. That's not that, that's not the case. But what I'm saying is, oh, here here comes Brendan. I don't know. Brendan arrives at the perfect time for a little yeah. linebacker. Brendan, you're not derailing this. Stop. Um, we're talking about linebacker recruiting in the portal. I said months by. ago that they cannot continue to play with fire by not recruiting the linebacker position at a high enough level at a high school. And then just magically you're going to land some guys out of the portal. Cause that's not what happens, especially at the linebacker position. There's always options at receiver. There's always options at DB. There's always options, you know, usually along the defensive line, there are a few options. But, like, at linebacker, yes, it's not the most important position on the field, which is the point you made months ago. But it is an important position. You need to land quality players. You need to have, field a yeah. quality team, top to bottom. You have to, you have, to have a capable four. They might. Right now, they might have the That's worst linebacker room in the entire ACC. I, I entered the Florida room, State. and Chris was smiling. And I had an idea what the topic was, but I wasn't entirely sure, and I nailed it. I, I own that I need to eat crow on it. Like, I'm comfortable. I'm at the time where, like, the patience is gone. Like, a window has come and gone, and they failed at the position. It just it, it's like, can I, have can I offer something to Zach's point yeah. real quick? And, and Zach gets to plant his flag and, and claim victory on this being a concern for a while now. He, he hasn't the said the most not good options in the transfer portal, I push back on. There's been plenty of good options. They necessarily have not wanted to go after them aggressively or have mismanaged some of but, them. But even like one of the better like, options, though, is a guy they let walk from their program in DJ Lundy. And that's probably truthfully why this has become an even bigger issue than it was already. And it was an issue. And that that's why they're in a massive pickle. And they brought in two guys. They brought in Stefan Thompson from Syracuse. It's between them and Nebraska. His former coaches at Nebraska. Yeah, we hear some credit Nebraska. stuff there. We think it's probably Nebraska. And then the Kai Hill Green, who's a kid that they kicked the tires on a year ago when he was just, leaving Michigan. He ended up at Charlotte. He's coming out of Charlotte now. And FSU probably can get him, but he can't be here for the spring as we let understand me, Yeah, it. let me explain, like, how how insane this is. Like, it's the biggest position I need on the roster, like, right now. And you hosted two linebackers. Two. And both have academic credit issues. Nikai Hill Green can't enroll anywhere. He was committed to UCF. They dropped him because he can't enroll in the spring. He'll likely enroll at FSU in the summer. Stefan Thompson has to take on like double the amount of credits if he comes to Florida State rather than go to Nebraska. So that's likely where he's going to go. He liked Florida State. He loved the visit. He likes the coaches. But if you're talking about a pure, you know, he's taking on like an insane amount of more of a course load over the next year if he comes to Florida State rather than opting for Nebraska. So yeah, to me, it's just it's crazy that those are the two options that they they landed on, first of all. And then second, Brendan, you were right. There were some quality options that have entered the portal over the last month. Who? Like the Georgia kid, Jamon Dumas. Okay, yes, yes, I agree with him wholeheartedly, yes. And he's someone that Listen, they should have tried to bring like in at December. It's not like he was going to Georgia to go to Alabama or Texas right. or another power. Kentucky. He went to Kentucky. Like, yeah. you're telling me you can't Auburn, Auburn was the other contender there. You're telling me you can't compete? You can guarantee him a starting spot. How many other power programs can do that right now for a kid in the portal? I agree with JDJ. I don't think there's been a whole hell of a lot after. Yeah, that, I, but I, I do. Agree I would with push JDJ. back on there being a ton, a, a, a 
a good I'm not saying there's of, a ton. I'm just saying like there, there there's been, been a level of been, selectivity to this. Is that a word that doesn't coincide with the market? Yeah, and it doesn't coincide with their like their, with current their needs. needs. Yeah, they, they're, it's mind blowing to me. They with should the be desperate. They're being picky. I don't What's get it? it. What happened with Zach? I, this wasn't. They, I, they put a lot of morning. effort and numbers towards different spots, and in general, we've just talked about how we expect them to fill a vast number of those needs and. We like a lot of the guys they've added, and we've got to still a little bit more to talk in the secondary. But it's like this position just – that doesn't happen. And I, just, I know people say it's solely Randy Shannon, and that's all well and good. And, yes, Randy deserves plenty of shouldering shouldering of blame or whatever word you want to use. But there, there's a GM. There's a head coach. There's a DC. Like, there's a lot of people in the hierarchy, and they're all letting it happen. Yeah. And, I and I yeah, I just – to me, it's like – like you can say whatever, right? Like Florida State had a, a really solid linebacker core in 2023 that led them to a 13 and 0 season. We're part of that, like for sure. They weren't a it wasn't a weakness for FSU. But the top but three we, of that's gone. Anyone that's followed Florida State's linebacker recruiting over the past few cycles could see this coming. And that's why Son, I've been here since Bill Miller. I that's why I kept saying that if Florida State didn't land elite high school kids, they were not going to be able to turn that room around and have quality options because guys don't just magically appear in the portal that are like starter level linebackers. Cause that's a, that's a position that a lot of schools pay to retain. And yes, it's not the most priority position in the portal by far. Like guys are getting paid way more at different positions, but it's important. And to me, it's just four state really fit. Like obviously the results aren't complete yet, but from what we've seen so far, Florida State failed. They failed at that position to to get that position to a quality level. It's not quality. I want to throw one more, one more match on Zach's like of gasoline. Byers known does AJ Cottrell get meaningful snaps in the spring? I mean, we Omar I, Graham just did surgery yesterday. I think, yeah, um, who was expected to probably be one one of the starting linebackers for Florida State in the spring. I mean, I would guess that you know some of the true or the you know true sophomores or whatever they'll be retro freshmen, Blake Nicholson, Juice Cryer will get a, a lot of burn because um, we know Florida State likes them. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, and they brought in Jaden Parrish and THC. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, is Cultural still on the roster? I, I like I, I remember him when he came in. I haven't really followed his career, but I guess we're gonna have to yeah, start like doing that now. They're gonna have to. Uh, it, yeah. It's a position where it's just. I, I'm amazed that we've not heard a name for this weekend. And I know there's not a lot out there. Blackshire jumped like, in. Yeah, jump to me, name, like, but like, they're not pursuing him. Yeah, but to me, it's like, okay, that's, you look at Kendrick Blackshire, right? He's got visits to Texas and Ole Miss set up. That's he's, not, he's, not good enough to, he's not good enough to come here. Sorry. Uh, like, that's as big of an issue as anything to me is. But is, you just claimed that there were a bunch of top options. That's not what I'm saying. Hey. Yeah. Brandon's oh, taking geez, the phrase when I was one who was still out of up in a wad. Holy shit. <laughs> what, did I, what did you do to him in the first 30 minutes, Chris? Were you needling him? It, oh, it was really It had gone really well before this. I mean, <laughs> we introduced the defensive segment with Chattanooga Whiskey, so we knew where we were going, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that a boy. Um, my, no, but I think the biggest concern is, like, they're, like Blackshear, there's someone who represents a level of upside and potential quality for you at a position that you need to have, and there's no interest in it. He's been that's at Alabama like, for three seasons. That, so that's like, my that's point. Not I'm, not, I'm not saying that, like, that's what doesn't make sense to me. 
the the lack of high school recruiting and and results there is is one thing. This is taking it to another level. It's like where you have a surefire need, and there does not seem to be a, a sense of urgency to go ahead and secure when when they when all their actions show us that they value getting transfers in at the middle point of the season because they get to go through a tour of duty of the offseason. They had to go through spring practice. Like it is extremely valuable to them as a program. And this is just like, we're going to go through the cycle with Florida state, not adding a linebacker to the roster, losing their two best and losing their third best linebacker in the portal. Like that's not, not ideal. So this is going off top 20 rankings from two, four, seven of transfer portal linebackers. Number one is JDJ, Jamon Dumas Johnson from Georgia. We believe FSU could have got him in in the December cycle, opted not to. He went to Auburn, he went to Kentucky, committed to Kentucky. Tag Curtis, who I know they had contact with because I was talking to a family member of his. He doesn't take any visits. He goes to Wisconsin. Chris Paul claimed an offer. We were told he didn't have an offer. Transferred to Old Miss. He, those are your top three. I don't Number believe six, the linebacker coach liked him in the eval process for what it's worth. Yeah. Number six is Grayson Pop Howard, who's from Jacksonville. He jumps in from South Carolina, but we believe he jumped in with the intention of going to Florida, which is where he goes to. In so general, then, Florida State didn't love him. His film was okay. He's probably more of a defensive end than a linebacker, truthfully. Seven is Xavion Sori, Georgia kid going to Arkansas. He is from over towards Graceville area, so just west of Tallahassee. FSU, to our knowledge, didn't kick the tires. They, he is somebody they evaluated him and didn't like him. 12 is Kendra Gant, local ties, Louisiana Raging Cajun kid going to Houston. So I would argue that's an upgrade slightly for him. He's number 12. FSU didn't mess with him. DJ Lundy Day Lutz, he's ranked 14. He's one of the better linebackers in the portal, in my opinion. Goes to Colorado, they lose him. Do we believe there was a last-ditch effort to try to retain him? I mean, they they tried to retain him. It was, it was uh, my understanding, like a lot of back and forth. Uh, of it, and they didn't value him at the number that he wanted to go leave. Was Colorado? Which apparently, Colorado has a ton of money to throw around, uh, evidently, which is cool. Good, good for them. Twenty Stone Blanton, South Carolina to Mississippi State. FSU didn't kick the tires here, but he's one of those that when he jumped in, everybody brought up his name. EJ Lightsey, a personal favorite of this guy. Uh, Georgia to Georgia Tech. He's number twenty-two. Again, we don't believe they reached out. So those are some of the names of note in the top 25 of 247's rankings. Portal rankings are only so much to put stock into, but still just taking 25 names and looking through them of guys that FSU had familiarity with or were brought up by people or we know FSU reached out to and you come away with none of those. And truthfully, none of them stepped on campus, correct? So uh, none of those are knowledge, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's where the issue lies. It's like throw numbers at a problem. And I, I know not that's not always a solution, but when you need experience at a position, I mean, even if you like that you have in that room, you need throw experience. Anything at the problem. They've <laughs> done the throw numbers at the problem thing before, and that's been a that's worked for them. Like wide receiver, two cycles ago, they threw four scholarships at a position that was among the worst in the Power Five, and it netted them Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman for a year. Like okay, like that, and that's the and that's the crapshoot. Sometimes like is you're going to have to throw numbers at it. This is the antithesis of that. There's no number there. Yeah. I'm at the point where I can't defend it anymore. Like it doesn't make sense to me. I'm confused by it. I know that you don't want to rush to make a bad decision to take someone who will not help you. Like I do understand that logic, but man, like it is, it is bleak right now. 
And you're going to basically be relying a ton on Justin Cryer and Blake Nicholson to take massive steps forward. Basically for them to go a year ahead of schedule is what you're yeah. leaning on at this, this moment. And that it's not to discredit those guys. I think they both have bright futures. Juice was really good in the bowl game for Florida State. For me, it's really more safety net for those guys. Mm-hmm. Have a safety net for those guys. Yeah. For when the moment is difficult or too big or something they haven't experienced, be able to lean on somebody who's played a lot of college snaps. Yeah. yeah. And if you have to overpay at that position no for a guy, like you go and do that. The minute they lost DJ Lundy, that position became so much more pertinent and important for him. And it was already important, but it became so much more because the safety net was gone. With DJ Lundy, you have a guy who's been here for years, knows your system, has a ton of snaps, has experienced everything, good, bad, and ugly, knows how to respond to all of that stuff. He walked out the door. You have none of that. Zach, you feel better now? I hate to say I told you so. Um, He loves saying it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I just, I mean, I think this, there's got to be something done. Um, as far as operationally, like I think Florida State needs to figure something out. Um, I think a lot of this falls on Florida State's linebacker coach, Randy Shannon. He's done a pretty poor job at recruiting the high school ranks. And, you know, for him to not land any transfer linebackers at this point, I think that's, you know, a pretty, you know, strong indictment of, of how uh, poor the effort is being made to uh, to improve that room. And then obviously because of that, um, I think this kind of falls on, on Mike Norvell to – to do something about it and nothing's been done. Um, so to, to, to me like that, that's not a good thing. Like that's not something that, that Florida state fans should, uh, like, I don't think they're overreacting when they say this is a, a, a really poor job by Florida state operationally, um, to improve their roster, especially at that position. I'm going to play psychologist on Zach. FSU is recruiting 2025 linebackers better. Like we like some of the targets they're recruiting at a higher level. Zach has no belief they're going to get any of them. Chris, what right? are we talking about? You have no what, belief what, about any what of them. What have they I'm shown you? What have they shown you over the past two cycles that Randy Shannon's been here that they can recruit elite? Like, yes, I have crystal balls in for I think two linebackers to Florida State, or I did. They were about to get the the kid from Washington State, but he opted to stay in Washington State. Wow, what a surprise! Um, it, yes, they are. They have. They have guys on the board that are talented. Are they going to land them? When have we seen any proof that they're going to do that? They just came off a 13-0 season, and they landed two three-stars. Meanwhile, in-state rival Miami and Florida combined for four blue-chip prospects. Apparently, the two kids that are going to UF looked amazing at the Under Armour game. So, like, so is that a yes? Prove me wrong. (laughs) I'm just saying that's a yes from you, right? You have no confidence they're actually going to get them? I mean, I yes, I think they'll get better okay. linebackers than what they got previously. But do I think they're going to? I'm not arguing against you here. No. I just, I'm just, I'm looking into your heart, young man, and I know in the heart of your heart that you don't believe they're going to get it. I enjoy that you said you want to play psychologist with him, and then you said something to make him more angry, which I guess is an approach to try to evoke what some you emotional response. It's, it's why they make you lay down when you're. In How the does office. that make you feel? <laughs> Tell me what you. Think All right, defensive back. We'll start with the fun part. We'll get Zach in a, back in a good place for at least a minute. Earl Little, the second slash junior, what are we going to officially call him? The, uh, Alabama roster had him as a second. Let's see, what does FSU have? FSU announced him as junior, did they not? Guys, his Twitter says junior. We're going by junior. I'm 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 pro junior personally. Unless him or dad want to tell me I have to call him second, then I'll call him a second. All right, it's Earl Little Junior. We'll go Earl Little Junior. Right. I've been I've been typing it wrong. That's my fault. 
we referenced earlier an overriding theme, finishing second in prior recruitments, then getting him. Here's another one. Earl Little, young man that FSU has a lot of familiarity with. His former high school coach is FSU's DB coach. They get him this time around. Again, this was kind of one of those where he stepped on campus knowing where he was going. And uh, he came with dad and spent a couple days, and I believe he's now moved in. If he hasn't, he will be in the next day or two. Um, excellent get. I think he can play a multitude of positions for you. Uh, you know, I, I think he's talented as hell. Again, kind of like Jalen Brown, where we talk about, you know, FSU loved him in high school for a reason. Like, that's where I'm at with Earl Little. Like, this is a guy that they valued immensely as a high school prospect, did not get. Yeah, now they got him. Yeah. Go ahead, I mean, Zach. Was, Say happy it perfect, it was like a perfect marriage right here, right? Like Pat Sertan, not only was this high school coach, but now he's going to coach DBs at Florida State. Um, he's got his former high school teammate here in Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, I mean, if, I think when he entered the portal, we all were like, oh, shoot. Like, this is about to happen, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, he visits FSU. I think Brendan had heard that Ole Miss was trying to get him on campus afterwards. Florida State obviously axed that visit, got him to lock it down, and now he's uh, he's on campus in Tallahassee. What about you, um, Brendan? What's your thoughts on Earl? Bigger picture, I remember when when Mike Norvell was hired, and if you remember, his like reputation at Memphis was a coach maker. Guys would come join his staff, and then they would get picked off by Auburn or other SEC schools, um, Tennessee, what, what have you. And David Coburn, the athletic director at the time, after the introductory press conference, made a comment of something amongst the lines of like, yeah, and, and Mike's going to try to get some of those guys back. And he did get a, a handful of guys, Kenny Dillingham, Yak Johnson, uh, Adam Fowler, he, he retained, but he retained and brought back multiple guys that could have gone elsewhere to have them at back up with him at Florida State and it's funny to me like that's what they're doing this cycle with a lot of these transfers Marvin Jones Jr. I'm sure you guys have already talked about or a little uh Devontae Brown we'll get to but like guys they finished second on before Jalen Brown uh, was not Jalen Brown on offense like they, they're going back to do that so they're trusting uh, Malik Benson they're trusting their evaluations and going after guys that they like and have liked uh, Terrence Ferguson on the offensive line they're, they're going after um so yeah so with that in mind, like they're trusting their initial evaluations. And what I like so much about Earl little uh, junior is that there is a ton of upside still to him and to his game. Like you watch some of the clips that his dad put out there of him at practice. Like, yeah, man, there's some legitimate NFL upside, the way he moves his physicality, all these traits that they liked about him in high school. Like those showed at the Alabama practice field. Uh, my understanding was just like Nick Saban didn't feel comfortable putting him out there in-game situations consistently um, and didn't didn't trust him. So he's there was a belief that his role was going to be more prominent at Bama next season. Well, they had told that, him like, that. He was on the verge. They I, I don't know that. if they told him that. They told him that. My understanding, they had told him that in 2022 after his freshman season, where he had some injuries and stuff, uh, and played early on as a, as a redshirt freshman and had a, a, a pretty tough game against Middle Tennessee State, and they just kind of axed it. Like, they didn't let him play again. Um, so instead of letting him work through it, they just let him play on special teams a bunch. And here we are. Florida State gets the opportunity now to coach a guy who will play nickel for them. He has very similar skill set to Jerry and Jones and the way he plays, the way he's built. It makes sense. Um, this is a guy with multiple years of eligibility left. And um, that's been a trend this cycle as well, right? It's like FSU is going after guys, many of them, 
with multiple years to go. So yeah, I, I like this take a lot. He's ranked as a 90 grade, I believe, uh, by 24-7 sports. And I think that's about where he should be. He's a, he's a four-star prospect, which means he has NFL upside. So you're reassembling the secondary. You got, uh, we expect Fentrell Cypress back. We know he was around this past weekend with the team. They haven't announced him yet, Battle's End, but we expect that one. You've got AZ Thomas, who you elevate to a starting corner. He played a great deal of reps this past year. Earl plugs in that nickel with Kevin Knowles as a reserve. We know the staff likes Kevin Knowles. We're not going to get bogged down in that right now. Shaheen Brown's one of your safeties. Your other safety, it looks like it will probably be Conrad Hussey will be the guy that they're going to try to elevate and push in that role. We talked earlier about spring being important of evaluating your current roster. I think there's some of that in the secondary. But that brings me to the next guy we're going to talk about, uh, another point of contention with a lot of people when they took him. Devontae Brown, Miami defensive back. We believe they're taking him as a safety. I compared it kind of like Pac McClellan, veteran guy who's played a lot of college football. Wasn't any good at Miami last year, just be completely like straight to the point with like PFF grades and stuff. It was not a good year. Three worst games were FSU, AM, and Clemson, probably three of the better opponents that they actually face. Um, but he was very good at UCF in what, 21? And I think that again, FSU, they recruited him heavily a year ago in the portal before he went to Miami. I think FSU is banking on that 21 UCF version showing up versus maybe what he put on the field in 23. Um, I don't know which one of you want to take it first. I don't know if we want to get Zach all fired up again or. Yeah, we need to get Zach but, back in, in, in the mix here. Sorry, I was sending a text. Who are we talking about? Oh, Devontae my God. Brown. We were yeah, discussing uh, Devontae Brown. I okay. brought up that we view him as a safety and a depth guy with experience. I compared him to Pac McClellan from a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, the only difference is that we know that Devontae Brown will be on scholarship. Um, whereas Pack was a walk-on. I'm not a huge fan of the take. Pack was a walk-on? Yeah. Was he? Jarquez McClellan was a walk-on. I've reached a point with scholarships with Mike Norvell where I'm just not counting them. Like, I don't He care. doesn't want you to count them, too, to be fair. Right, I know that. So, like, I'm good with it. Like, I, I want to be in the ballpark and have an idea, but, like, they're going to figure out their roster and have it. Like, we know they need a linebacker. If they're sitting, say, they get one or two more commitments here and they're sitting at 85, that's not going to stop them from still recruiting people. You know who's for Chris, you know who's uh, – listen, if, if Mike Norvell's – He's a white Leonard Hamilton, baby. You know who <laughs> – you know who's counting your scholarships, Mike? Clay Fink. So deal with it. Yeah. Fink does love counting scholarships. He loves counting scholarships. My man. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Brown – like, I don't think it's a bad take. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it because I think you could have gotten a better option. But I see the value. Um, I do think that adding a veteran presence in the safety room is a, a good idea. He has length. I think he's like six foot, 285 pounds. So, yeah, I mean, if you can tap into what he did at U, uh, UCF, yeah, that's a it's a pretty good take. But he was not good at all at Miami. Um, and you know, for as much as you want to say about, you know, you know how poorly Miami played in certain games, like their defense was their strength and their secondary wasn't bad. So, like, to me, it's just there were there were good DB options in the portal. He's a guy that also went to American Heritage, so I understand the tie there to, to Sertan and some of the guys that they've added via the portal um, on the roster. And, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. There were some rumors that his brother, Damari Brown, was going to enter the portal, too. Um, you know, we'll kind of monitor that, but, uh, you know, from Miami's point of view, it seems like 
he's kind of evaluating where he fits into you know their defensive scheme and and you know we'll see kind of where things stand after the spring for him. Uh, to uh, add real quick he, before, he, he, oh, go ahead, Chris. real quick before Brendan talks about him, I don't want people thinking that FSU took him like at the gun, like they oh we had got to have one, we're just taking him. They intended to take him for, I think the entirety that he was in the portal. He showed up to FSU, was enrolling. He showed up with Marvin Jones Jr. for team meeting and stuff, like newcomer uh, bridge program type of stuff on Sunday. Like, he was around. So, like, it was always the intention. This wasn't something where FSU got desperate or rational at the last second to the guy. I think from the moment he entered the portal from Miami, the intention was for him to end up in Tallahassee. And, again, we referenced it. They recruited him very hard a year ago. And some will say, well, they only recruit him to recruit Damari. Well, that apparently isn't true because – here they are taking him separate of his brother. Yeah, I think they're very comfortable with this take. Uh, and he will move to safety was the, the clarifying point that I'll make. Mike Norvell said that in his his press release or announcement. And I believe that to be the case when they were going to take him. Uh, I, I don't dislike the take at all. Like some of the fan pushback, I don't quite understand the, the vitriol or the angst behind the take here. Like you're getting this guy to be your third safety basically. And he's a veteran player who like, the body of work that he's had in, in 2000 career snaps. Like he's a lot of four touchdowns and a lot of football. I feel, I feel awful. I just realized something. What? We got so excited to talk about linebacker talking, get Zach all fired up. We glanced right over Grady Kelly. So Brendan, you get to enjoy Grady Kelly. Uh, plain and simple. I will say this. I think he's a 200, 300 snap guy. I think he brings value. He's mature as hell. And I think they love that about him. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a plug-in guy in that room where you really like your front line, but you want to add ability with a guy like a KJ Sampson, some of these younger guys who can learn from a guy, and I think he is that for them. He's a Malcolm Ray replacement. Yeah, and I, I think he – yes. I, I think, think that's very good. Our level pretty close. Like, I don't yeah. think it's too far off. Yeah. Uh, playing style, like, I think he's going to be a better run stopper than Malcolm was, and I think Malcolm was a better pass better rusher. Pass rusher. Yeah. But – and he but, swears yeah. he's 6'3", 293. He walked out of a building and told every one of us he's 6'3", 293, and that's what he measured in at every He team. does play hard. He's from the panhandle, so there's some inherent value of, like, guy who wants to be here. I think in his exit interview, he, he mentioned love, quote-unquote love, about a dozen times to you guys, Chris. Yeah. So, like, yeah, some maturity in that room, I think, is uh, is going to be a good thing. Yes, much needed. Zach said that last part, not me. If anyone wants to go after him on Twitter, Brendan, how dare you? Where were we at? Uh, we pretty much have touched on old portal acquisitions. Uh, Byers and Owen brought to you by the Turner Group defensively, other than on the line, and obviously the need at linebacker. Do we think there's any other uh, attempted acquisitions in this window? And what do you project long term? Do you think FSU wraps up the spring and goes, hey, we need to go get a, a safety with experience or a corner with experience? Do we think that's a possibility? I. I will Sinone for right now. I do think that FSU will always, like if there's a good valuable cornerback that enters, they will always be open to a corner. I think if like, say like a Damari Brown went in the transfer portal, like, yeah, then they're going in guns of blaze. And like, that's a guy they would view as a, a long-term yeah. starter. And you always have to, you always have to keep an eye on attrition because that's, that's the true tell as to whether Florida state will add someone and they, and they're going to be over their scholarship numbers. Uh, heading into count them scholarships. Him Clay Fink. Come at me, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's an important thing to watch is if you have a, a good amount of attrition at a certain position or just on the roster as a whole, like the Florida State will go and find the next best available player to add at a certain position. Obviously, we know because they're not going to add two linebackers in this window, that will be a big 
you know, need for them after the spring. And then, you know, we'll kind of see where else uh, they could. I could see them adding another defensive lineman. That never hurts, especially if it's a can't-miss guy in the portal. Um, like we talked about, like there's always a couple guys in the spring portal. I think, honestly, I was talking to someone this week. Like I think the spring portal is more like tampering season uh, than than anything else. Um, I'm not trying to you know put this like on any specific school. Like all schools are doing this um, or back-channeling, however you want to call it. All schools uh, tamper? Don't say that. That's not no. you're, what you're trying to say is you go through the spring and you realize, man, we cannot go in the season with that situation being that situation. We really need yeah. blank in the worst way. Let's go get one. Yeah, yeah. let's go convince a guy to to, to jump in the port. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of spring is that, and a lot of guys, you know, obviously realizing where they're at on a depth chart and kind of making business business decisions after that. So, yeah, it'll, that that's always an interesting window. If you can get a Keon Coleman type of guy at a, at any position, uh, you know, an instant impact can't miss. Um, I think Florida State will always uh, have their door open to, to that. All right, Brendan, lightning round for you brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey. You're the human embodiment of someone who loves such a product. Um, you weren't here for the offensive discussion of the portal. Lightning thoughts on offensive guys. I'll go one by one. You tell me what you think. Running back slash athlete slash return man, Jalen Lucas. Uh, immediate value as a kickoff returner, uh, top five kickoff returner statistically over the last two seasons. Interested to see how they use him on offense. They already have a gadgety weapon in his brother, Ja'Kai Douglas. So uh, we, we will see, but 10-6 speed, uh, very clear to see what Florida State is doing. Uh, bye. Wide receiver Malik Benson, personal favorite of mine. So go ahead. Another fast dude, 10 Ten four second hundred meter dash. Uh, I thought some of his Alabama stuff looked really cool. Uh, like some of his clips were really fun. Just didn't get the ball a ton behind some other good wide receivers. Again, Mike Norvell going back to the well. I like it. I don't know if he's going to be a number one type of wide receiver, but I think that's what they're banking on with him. I think that was the that was the a type of guy they wanted to go after was a a true number one. We don't know if he's there yet, but they're rolling uh, the dice on upside. So I like that one too. Wide receiver Jalen Brown. More speed, 10-600-meter <laughs> 10, 10, dash, a lot of upside. I think LSU really wanted to retain him, uh, so that, that was a win for Florida State to go ahead and get that one done quickly, effortlessly, painlessly, uh, someone with a lot of speed. Clay Fink's going to do a scouting report on him later today. And last thing, O-line, uh, we talked about T.J. Ferguson, outstanding decision, Bama, FSU, Oklahoma, and we also talked about Richie coming in, Richie Leonard of Florida coming in this weekend. Where do you stand on those two in the sense of how do you think it plays out? I'm pretty close to putting a crystal ball for, for Richie. Uh, I think that'll that'll probably happen um, most likely. He's supposed to visit here this weekend. Uh, for Ferguson, we'll, we'll see with Terrence. Like, I, I think you have to be aggressive in going after him uh, personally. You went into this offseason wanting two interior offensive linemen. He is big. He is strong. You want to have a good rushing attack. You have DJU as your quarterback. Like, you got to make the pieces fit. And so I think this is one that you need to go ahead and, and try to wrap up and be aggressive, maybe even be over-aggressive if you have to because you want good offensive linemen and you want someone that you want. They, they want him. So, like, go make yeah. it happen. He's the, he's the guy that Alabama's also trying to retain. So Yeah, Alabama wants him. Oklahoma wants him. Like, go make yeah. it happen. Bye. All right. That's on the bench. Thanks. Have Bye. a great day now.